You really do sound beautiful this morning. Amen. And the Lord receives our praise because of Jesus Christ. Let's join in prayer. Father, we praise your name and more than anything, and in fact, only thing that we desire this morning is that you would be praised. But we ask, Lord, because your word tells us that if we draw near to you, that you would draw near to us. And we have gathered in your name, your people, your sheep, the sheep of your flock. And we ask that you would draw near to us, that you would bless us, and that you would feed us. In Jesus Christ's name, and all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. All right, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 23 this morning. And it is 2024 in one more day, right? In one more day. And this is going to be our theme verse for the year. And we'll see what the Lord has in store for us. But regardless of what 2024 has in store for us, one thing I know for sure is that we need a shepherd. Amen? Let's read this. I'm going to read this and you follow along very carefully, starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And would you say this last phrase with me? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful passage. You know, about, um, about six or seven years ago, my family and I, we went through a, a considerable trial. You know, it, it feels considerable at the moment, and I don't really remember all the details of it, but I do remember one thing, that the Lord in the midst of it was there for me. Amen? In fact, it's interesting that I can't remember what the trial was at all. It's, uh, they say that after a woman gives birth to a, to a baby and all of the pain and all of the agony, and I can't exactly uh, identify with that, but they say that years later, all of that is forgotten. Amen? And that all you have is that little baby boy or that little baby girl. Later today, we're going to baptize a little baby boy, Henry. It's exciting. You sort of forget the details of the trial, but you don't forget that God was there all along caring for you. And so I remember, though, this particular incident. I was going to a meeting. It was a lunch meeting, and I had to drive into the back of a parking lot, and I was early. And so I sat there in my truck, and I remember I was reading my Bible, and I was praying, asking for clarity. Asking for wisdom. You know, James chapter 1 says that when you're going through a trial, if you ask for wisdom, the Lord will give you wisdom. Amen? Wisdom in how to deal with the trial, how to deal with the suffering. And I was asking the Lord for clarity and asking him for comfort, asking him for direction. And it was right there at that moment when I heard a knock on my window in the middle of a parking lot. No, in the back of a parking lot. And that's usually how you get car jumped. But, uh, but I, I felt safe in the moment. It was the middle of the day, but there was a man standing right next to my window, about a foot and a half from my window, knocking on the window and motioning for me to roll down the window. And, I, and for those of you who've heard this story, I apologize, but I wanted to tell it again. And I rolled down the window, stupidly, I might add, but I rolled down the window and he began speaking to me, looking right in my face, looking right into my eyes. He said, he said, 
count it all joy, my brothers. Amen. When you fall into trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You know, and he kept going. And honestly, I started, I started sitting there in the truck. I started to block him out because I knew the chapter. I knew James chapter one. I had preached multiple sermon series through the chapter. And for those of you who don't know, the chapter is all about dealing with suffering, dealing with trial, dealing with the, the various difficulties of this life and how the Lord will meet you. Amen. Amen. And so I knew the chapter. I sort of, it sort of like downloaded the file immediately. But then I was dealing with the second thought in my head, and that is that God is talking to me right now. You know, and not miraculously, and certainly the man there was not God. He actually was there to wash cars. I found that out later. And, but God was speaking to me. God was breaking through the monotony of life. And, and just to tell me, just to share with me, me there in the back of that parking lot, parked in the shade to say, hey, I see you. I see you. You know, to, I know you. I care for you. I cause you to lay down in green pastures. I restore your soul. I am your shepherd. Amen? And I, and I know that you've had moments like this. They're not, they're not necessarily miraculous moments. You know, God's not necessarily bending the laws of nature or anything, but they are moments of sweet and divine intimacy. It's, it's like the Lord, it's like he sent me a Christmas card. You know, you know that he loves you and you know that he's out there watching over you, but then you get a little card in the mail and it's like, oh, he knows where I live. He knows what I'm going through. You know, the Lord of the universe who clearly has bigger fish to fry, bigger things to deal with, right? Then little old you and little old me, he's shepherding the moons of Jupiter, but he has time to shepherd you, amen? You see, it's moments like that that remind us of Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, amen? And we know this for sure. We shouldn't even be surprised. It's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11. Isaiah has told us this 2,700 years ago. He says, Jesus, the Messiah, he will tend his flock. Are you of Jesus's flock? Amen. If you are the bride of Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are his flock. And he tends his flock like a shepherd. And what is the relationship between God and his people? It is like the relationship between a shepherd and sheep. Amen. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. You see, he sees us. He sees the rams. They've got a lot of rams in here. And he sees the ewes. We have some ewes in here. And he sees the lambs as well. And he doesn't just see them. He tends them. He providentially cares for them. And he gathers them in his arms. Look there what Isaiah says. He says, he carries them in his bosom. That means that he has us. And not just us collectively, though that is true. He has us individually in the folds of his garment near to his heart. His heart. I mean, he's obviously he needs to restrain the world from nuclear disaster, right? And, and he needs to um, take care of the earth as it's spinning on its axis around the sun. And he, and he needs to deal with all the various geopolitical situations of our day. But he's got enough to go around, amen? He is omnipresent. He is all places at all times. And he is all here for you and I. Omnipresent, but yet fully and totally God present for you as a little lamb, the Lord is a shepherd. 
They understand Lord is a king. That makes clear sense. The Lord is a king as a lawgiver. He who is ascended on high, who sits upon the throne. I understand him as judge, amen? We talk about that a lot. We talk about him as a king. I think 2023 was, was all about Jesus being king. The world was going you know, to hell in a handbasket and we needed to remind ourselves that he's a king. He's a judge and a lawgiver. Our, our nation doesn't, doesn't exactly know how to behave or how to define even a, a man or a woman. And so we needed to be reminded that he is a judge. He is a lawgiver. He is also a father, amen? But he's a shepherd. He's a shepherd. And it's surprising really because shepherds were unclean. And that's true even today, honestly, if you know any shepherds, we don't really have too many around here. Um, but shepherds in Jesus's day were unclean. They were unclean people. I don't mean literally that they didn't take baths, um, but though that is true, I mean, where do you take a bath unless you find a perfect little river? But they were unclean ceremonially. Uh, they had to go through various washings if they were gonna be able to go to church because shepherds had to deal with blood and they had to deal with torn carcasses. They had to deal with manure. You have to deal with ticks and fleas and nose worms and all sorts of worms. It was an unclean profession. It's what we call on, uh, I think it's a TLC, you call it a dirty job, right? It was a dirty job, a defiling job, a, a difficult job. Where do you sleep when the sheep want to sleep? You sleep with the sheep right all around in the pasture. Where do, you, where do you go to hide from the sun? There's nowhere to go to hide from the sun. And what do you do when the lion comes into the flock or the, or the bear comes into the flock? You have to kill it, just as David reminded us of all of this. It was a, the lowest job on the totem pole. It was a job for criminals. It was a job for slaves. And it was a job, if you didn't have any slaves or criminals to hire, you had to give it to the youngest son, like David. Amen? David, who was typologically pointing us to Jesus Christ, was a shepherd because Jesus is a shepherd because he is willing to engage in the lowest form of work. He who ascended on high descends to you and I every single day in every way and in ways that we can't even imagine. He is a lowly shepherd. And it isn't surprising, is it? He was born in a manger, in a barn. He, would die, he died on a cross as a criminal, amen? It shouldn't surprise us that he identifies with the lowest of vocations. If he, were, if he were coming into the world in our space and time, he would identify with the lowest of professions, those professions which are service-oriented, those professions that the high and the mighty don't want to perform, amen? Because he's a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11, he says it like this. He says, I am the good shepherd. Allah never said that. I researched this to be sure. Allah never said, I am a shepherd. In fact, it's blasphemous to consider Allah a shepherd. The, the great God kings, Pharaoh and Sennacherib and Caesar Augustus, they describe themselves as slaughtering people as sheep, but never shepherding people. But we have in the Christian faith, we have a God who is a shepherd and who leads his people like a shepherd. And that inspires us too, amen, fathers? You are rulers of your household, but what else are you? What else are you? A shepherd. In 2024, you are also a shepherd. Elders and pastors, there are overseers in the church, but they're also, say it, they're also shepherds. Mothers, you are shepherds as well. And we all shepherd one another, following in the footsteps of our great shepherd. So remember this in 2024, when God calls you to do something that you are overqualified for, right? Amen. When he calls you to do something that 
the younger you would just could never, never see yourself doing or something that your parents might be embarrassed to find out that you do. What is my mom and dad going to think of me? What are my friends from high school going to think of me if they find out that this is what I'm doing with my life? Remember this when he calls you to, to be born in a major, to die on a cross, so to speak. No job was beneath him and no job should be beneath us. Amen? That is a great calling for 2024. If you have to care for your elderly parents, if you have to nurture a child with a toothache in the middle of the night or nurture a husband when he has a cold, which is much worse, right? <laughs> or if you have to clean a bathroom or you have to chit-chat with a, with a shut-in, Think of this, that he who has ascended on high is willing to descend to you and I. Amen? All right, well, second point, second point this morning. If he is a shepherd, and that is a bit surprising, what is not so surprising but more insulting, and that is that if he is our shepherd, that makes us, what does that make us? It makes us sheep. You say, well, I like being described as a sheep. They're warm and they're cuddly and they're fuzzy. And they're not, though. That's right. They're not. For about two or three days, ask anyone that's ever had a sheep, for about two or three days, if you're lucky, they come out cute. And they don't always come out cute. But sometimes they come out cute and they're white and fluffy, but it's just a matter of time before their back end is stained yellow. Seriously. Yellow and brown and red and pink. And they are matted and tick-ridden and they bite and they, and they ram I, can, I remember the precious moments figurines growing up in the 80s and 90s, and those sheep were cute and cuddly, but they're not real. That's not what sheep really are. What sheep are um, is anything but that. You see, would you like to be called a sheeple? Would, would, does that sound like a, a comforting and a warm thing to be called? No, that's an insult, isn't it? Everywhere throughout all of our society, we hear that phrase, people are, they're like sheeple, they're being treated like sheeple, but the Bible literally says, you are my sheeple. You are sheep, right? It really is. It is insulting. And this is how we know that Christianity is not made up by man. There's many reasons why we know Christianity is not a man-made religion, but one of them is that it describes you and I in 2024 as sheeple. And we would not, if this were a man-made religion, the person making it up would not have described their adherence as sheep. If you're making it up, you want to elevate man. You want to glorify man. You want man to be prominent and, 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 ma and major and, and have majesty, right? Not sheep. You know, what did Hitler say of his people, of his adherents? A master race, right? But what does the Bible say of us? Sheep. Mormons think of themselves perhaps as demigods that can be promoted to godlike status. But what are we? What are we? Say it together. Sheep. Sheep. It is a bit insulting, isn't it? It really is. But I don't mind being a sheep when we have Jesus Christ as our shepherd. Amen? I'll be his sheep any day. Listen to one, uh, one shepherd, what he says about these, what he quotes, stupid animals. He says, a sheep is a stupid animal. They follow one another and lose their direction continuously in a way that cats and dogs do not. But even when they are found, even when the lost sheep is found, they aren't happy about it. It's very difficult to round them up unless you have a dog to scare it a very big dog. A lost sheep rushes to and fro, and when you find it, you must knock it over, tie it up, and carry it home struggling. Listen to this. How do you save a sheep from death? You seize it. That's, that's what we call irresistible grace. That's right. You seize it, 
You tie it up to keep its legs from flailing, and then you take it home struggling. And even then, when the sheep is safe, it never feels safe. And when it is finally loved, it never feels loved. Doesn't that describe you and I? That's, that's the description of a sheep. That is the description of you and I. We don't feel safe when we know that we are safe, and we don't feel loved when we know that we are loved. And God had to seize upon us and tie us up and take us home against our will and demand that he was going to save us. <laughs> no. So, if he's a shepherd and we are his sheep, that's, those are two monumental truths. But that, that day in, in that parking lot when I was sitting back there minding my own business and, and God sort of interjected into my day, this car wa- washing man who knew James chapter one by heart, um, the thing I was most impressed upon in that moment and the, the thing that caused my eyes to water up a little bit and the hair on the back of my neck to, to stand up The thing was that I knew in that moment, not only that he's a shepherd and that I'm a sheep, what I actually was really tangibly experiencing was the fact that he was my shepherd. You understand what I mean? Look at Psalm 23, verse 1, one more time. What does he say? David doesn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He doesn't just say that the Lord is the shepherd of the church, though that is certainly true. But he says, the Lord is my singular shepherd. David there strumming his harp, dealing with lions and bears and all the various difficulties of being a shepherd. He looks out over his pastures and he writes a psalm, a poetic verse, one of the greatest poems of all of human history to to unpack the idea that the Lord Yahweh, the covenantal name of the Lord is my shepherd. There he was by himself with sheep on the hillside, perhaps no one else around. And he is reminded the Lord is my shepherd. That's something. That's what we need in 2024. That's what we need to never forget. He chose you, amen? Out of all the peoples of the earth, he chose you. Ephesians chapter one. Did he choose you because you were white and fluffy and cuddly and warm and cute? What do you think? No, of course not. He chose you because he wanted to. He chose you because he chose you. And then in space and time, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world about 2,000 years ago to purchase you. He went to the stockyard, he pointed it out, and Jesus went and bought you. And he paid for you with the price of his own blood, amen? Ransoming you from the stockyard, saving you from the slaughter. And then in your lifetime, at some point in your lifetime, he sent his spirit to mark you. Sheep are marked on the ears, so are bond slaves, by the way, in the, in the scriptures. But we are marked in the heart by the Spirit of God, amen? And on top of that, as we're going to see later in the service, he gives you in space and time a real-life physical sign that he has chose you, that he has called you, that he has purchased you, and that he has marked you, marked with the mark of the Lamb. John chapter 10, verse 14 he says, and look at, the, look at the intimacy of this language here. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. Amen. You are known. This, isn't, this doesn't mean that he just only knows about you. It means that he knows you personally. Amen. The English language breaks down there a bit. But he knows your struggles. He knows your, your weaknesses. He knows your sins. If you pray to him, he knows how he's going to answer it. 
And he knows that it's probably not how you think he's going to answer it because he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you. I know my own. And look, is this true of you this morning? And my own know me. Can you see him? Can you hear his voice? Can you feel experientially in life, but also through faith, because not everything is through feeling, but through faith, do you believe that he knows you and do you know him? You know, um, we've been going through various books of the Bible on Wednesday nights, and uh, we went through Genesis, I think it was a year ago or so, went through the whole book of Genesis, and my favorite character in the whole book of Genesis is, is Jacob. And I want to show you a verse. It's uh, Genesis chapter 48, verse 15. This is at the end of Jacob's life. And, uh, and I hope you're somewhat familiar with the story of Jacob. And, and he's leaning on his staff and he's blessing his grandchildren. He's well over 100 years old. And, and look at how he summarizes his life. Chapter uh, 48, verse 15, it says, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Amen. This is a very old man who's lived through all the ups and downs of life. He has a perspective we should consider. He looks over his shoulder, looking back on providence and all the various providences of his life. And he sums it up with this one particular phrase, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long. Jacob was a shepherd. He knew what it meant. You say, when Jacob, when you were in the womb and you were trying to grasp for first place and instead Esau, your brother, made it out first and you grabbed at his heel, was the Lord your shepherd then? Yeah, the Lord was my shepherd then. You say, but when, when you were given the blessing from God, but your father lacked the faith to give you the blessing and instead wanted to give it to your older brother. And so you and your mother just devised a plan to deceive him so that you should receive the blessing, which was rightfully yours in the first place. Was he your shepherd then? Did he orchestrate all of those particular events in your life? Why would he do that to me? He is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. He knows the persecutions that I need. He knows the promises and the prosperity that I need. He knows exactly everything in your life that you perfectly need to be tended to as his personal sheep. Amen? You say, Jacob, when you were, when you were run out of town and had to escape into a foreign country because your brother was trying to kill you, and then you were enslaved by Laban, who deceived you and swapped out your wife, and then tried to steal the birthright. And then you had to flee again back into your old country to be made war against with Esau again. Was the Lord your shepherd in all those moments? Right. And Jacob, I don't know exactly how this went down, but I imagine him there, aged, leaning on his staff and still, still feeling the pain in his hip where God had touched him. And he expresses this worldview, a worldview that we must all cultivate in 2024, God is our shepherd and God shepherds nations and God shepherds churches and God shepherds families, but he also shepherds us individually. Amen, amen, amen. Let's go back to our chapter. And I wanna read through this one more time with you. It's a beautiful passage. It's a life-changing passage. I strongly encourage you in this year and perhaps this week to meditate on this but I want to read through it and, and, and say a few things about it as I read through it. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
That means you are going to, without a shadow of a doubt, live the exact life you need to live. You shall not want. It doesn't mean you will not suffer. Jesus says in this life, you will have afflictions. There are also prosperities. He says, ask of me and I will give it to you, right? Many of the sufferings I imagine, and I think I can think of a few in my own life, the sufferings are actually answers to my prayers because God changes us in ways that we don't exactly expect or like, amen? But he says, you know, you are not gonna want. The life you are living right now is exactly the life that you must live to be saved, to be safe, to be sanctified, amen? He makes me lie down in green pastures. And anybody who knows anything about sheep knows it is very hard to make them lie down. It really is. It's incredibly difficult to cause them to lie down. They very seldomly lie down. They can sleep standing up because they're petrified. They're afraid. They're anxious. But he has them lie down in green pastures, in green pastures, in a desert region. He leads me beside still waters, which means you, you are led by Jesus to walk along the still waters. Uh, sheep won't eat, the sheep won't drink out of rushing water. They will only drink out of calm water. But no matter where you are, no matter what time of the day, there is always calm water right there for you to drink from. Amen? No matter where you go, there's always still water there to quench your soul. He restores my soul after a time of famine and disease, a time of of drought, a time of of, of summer and heat. He can restore your soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, leading you throughout your life by his law and through his guidance. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. We all want to be on the high top. We all want to be on the mountain with the Lord. And one day we will all be living our perfect life on the mountain with the Lord, either after you die or after he returns, when all of us will be saved to the uttermost. Amen. But it is true to get to the mountaintop, you have to walk through the valley. In this life that we're living right now, there is a shadow cast over it to some extent. There's no reason to be gloomy as Christians, but we do have to acknowledge that death is looming all around us and we are walking through the middle of it. And that causes difficulties and inflictions and anxieties and fears. And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Amen. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. That's a table land. It's a pasture land that the shepherd has gone out way before you were ever born, way before you were born into his flock. He went out there and he prepared the pasture lands for you. And that's saying something in a land that's desert, in a land that is rocky, he removed the rocks. He went by and he plucked up all the poisonous plants And he planted all of the grass that you needed so that every day that you live, the day right in front of that day is perfectly plotted out and perfectly planted and perfectly prepared so that you don't eat anything that kills you and so that you eat everything that you need. Before we get there, he has shepherded the pasture, shepherding you and I, shepherding the pasture, shepherding the world, shepherding everything all around us so that it is perfectly suited for us. He prepares a table. You say, how can he be preparing the pasture? There's wolves and there's cougars and bobcats and and there's lions and bears. Look right there. He prepares the tablelands before me, even with all the enemies around, in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. That means he has a specific job for you that you are consecrated to, that you are called to. And you are so prosperous and so blessed that you have enough for you, but also you have enough to overflow to others. Amen? Amen. And then he ends with this declaration. Say it with me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. May this be our theme verse for 2024. Amen. Let's all stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to sing Psalm 23, and then we're going to have a baptism and then the Lord's Supper. But join with me in prayer, please. Lord, you are our shepherd, not only ours as a group, but ours individually. You know the nuances of each and every individual's needs. And not only do you know them, you genuinely, deeply from the heart care about them. I pray that this next year as a church, for every individual in this church, that when we feel lost, we would remember that you are our shepherd. When we're confused, when we're scared, when we are attacked, when we grow hungry, regardless of the circumstances, you are our shepherd. And when we are blessed and when we are full and when we are flourishing, nourished in all that you've prepared for us this year, may we not forget your name. May we not forget that you went before us and prepared the tablelands. We ask that you would remind us of this psalm throughout the year and for the rest of our lives. In Jesus Christ's name and all who agree, would you say amen? Amen.